And welcome to the Rugby Bits podcast. And we are now into the business end of this week. We are one day away from the the quarterfinals starting over the weekend. And we even brought in the big guns for this preview. We're going to preview all of the matches. We've got Sean and we've got Jared. We've managed to pay his big um, Planet Rugby fee to get him for this week. Um, and it was also it was also Jared's birthday. So happy birthday, Jared. I hope you had a good day. What did you do? Uh, absolutely nothing. But uh, yeah, uh, thanks thanks for that. So I'll uh, get into that age now when uh, you don't really want to do anything on your birthday. If you can get the day off and stay in bed, you're quite happy, man. So so yeah, I, I was quite happy with that. And uh, yeah, I, I'm just saying, like the check hasn't cleared, so I'm giving you guys a bit of leeway here. Eh? <laughs> Fair enough. No, fair enough indeed. But yeah, we are going to go through all four of the matches and discuss them, talk about the teams and everything. Um, and yeah, I'll hopefully make some previews and, and predictions um, as well. But unfortunately, we have to start with our greens before we get to the dessert of uh, South Africa versus France. So we'll go through it in order. We'll start with Wales versus Argentina. Big team news for the two teams is for Wales, uh, Talupe Falata was injured and he's out for the rest of the World Cup. Um, but Dan Bigger and Liam Williams are back and they're in the team. Um, and then they've chosen two, well, two um, open side flankers in Jack Morgan and uh, Tommy Rafael. And then the Argentina side, no Pablo Matera, Facundo Issa's back in the team and pretty much same old, same old um, in, in their team as well. So, Sure, let's start with you. What do you think? Who do you think is the bigger loss? Um, Falatao or Matera? Oof. Sheesh, that's straight in there. Eh? <laughs> mm. I, I oof, sheesh. I, <laughs> I'm gonna have to say Falatao. I, I tell you, there's arguments for both though. Um, I'm gonna go with Falatao because I think Fakunda Issa coming in is not as I don't think it's too bad. Um, for for Argentina, I think it's quite decent cover there. But I I, I would say Falatao. Falatao has been playing great rugby. We all know he doesn't have to do anything during the year. As soon as he puts on a Welsh jersey, he 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 rips it up. Um, what they've gone is they've gone and 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 shuffled a little bit around the loose trio. I'm quite excited to see how this loose trio works. But I would have to say Falatao is definitely the bigger loss um, between the two. Yeah, and I mean, he's obviously massive for ball carrying and to get them over the advantage line. Matera's, you know, he does everything, but he's basically been the one person. He's leading, I think, Argentina for turnovers in, in the tournament as well. Um, Jared, just, yeah, I mean, I know you're a big Faletau fan, mm. but I mean, Wales's attack, even with um, Talupe Faletau, has not been great. I mean, they've Mm-mm. they've they've not really kept the ball much they've pretty much kicked and defended that's pretty much been their game plan like classic warren ball whereas argentina's a high possession team they want to keep the ball to the like in attack but they haven't really gotten much um change from that so yeah there's a there's a massive clash of styles in this in this game no 100 percent. i think you nailed it there um I, I, I do think uh, Sean's right in saying that uh, Falatau is a bigger loss. And I think it's more because uh, Wales are a bit more unbalanced in their back row now with uh, going like the old um, pooper uh, situation with the two open sides. So I, I think it can still work, but I think it's, it's he Falatau balances out any back row like uh, hellishly. So 
for Argentina, I think theirs works still quite nicely with having two big boys in uh, Kramer and uh, Issa and then Gonzalez being that a little bit more loose and he can play more towards the ball than being an out-and-out runner this time. So, yeah, uh, I, I, I fear for Wales because uh, Faletal's always their fix-it man. Like, whenever there's a horrid pass, he's just going to hold on to it. And Wayne Wright is a fantastic, but he's just not, he's not a Faletal. And, uh, yeah, I think they, the one thing that does help with them is that uh, they're going full-on big boots with uh, bigger at number 10. So, I think you got to spend a lot of time in the pocket. Yeah, I I can't see Wales trying to go, no. um, you know, blow for blow with Argentina. Like we know how mm-hmm. Argentina and Michael Checker play, especially, and they're gonna try to go wide. I think, well, and according to the stats, Argentina has been the team that's gone the widest, um, in most of their possessions. While Wales is the direct opposite; they go as narrow as possible. So. I mean, yeah, I'm expecting Wales to try and be, you know, as 10-man rugby as possible until, like, an, a chance opens up and Argentina's just going to be, you know, playing as wide as possible. But, Sean, I mean, Argentina has a has some nice momentum now from the Japan game. Um, but the, the reason why they could have played like they played is that Japan also play in a similar way, whereas Wales are going to try to shut off the, the water and the electricity in the house. Yeah. Fortunately for the RGs and Czechs is they have a little bit of experience against the Springboks. Um, remember in 2019, we were just saying like playing against Wales is basically copy and paste for how we played back then. So they do have a little bit of experience, but the Argentinians have never, never gone off who they are. They've never changed up what their bread and butter is. They've never try to counteract opposition by doing something differently. They are unashamedly themselves and they will play how they play no matter what's coming at them. And yeah, and they and they will always try to, you know, give their outside backs a chance to 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 get the ball in space. I mean, we saw how good Matera Carreras was on on last weekend and the tries that he scored and he's looking really good. Chocobares um scored such a brilliant try um, in that Japan game as well. You know, yeah, I'm still not convinced about um, Carreras. Santiago Carreras at 10. I still think... Me neither. <laughs> I still think Sanchez would be a much better, like, manager there. I, I agree. I, Sorry, Jake, I think they, I think they're missing out on an opportunity of uh, playing Carreras at fullback and Sanchez at, uh, at 10. I think Carreras is definitely one of their best background players. Like he's he's a, a Damien Willemser at the moment. Like uh Damien Willemser like five years ago when we couldn't decide where to play him. But they've just stuck with him at Flav. <laughs> but the thing is, is they don't it's not like they don't have an option at 10. They've mm. got Sanchez, who is incredible. And, and that's what makes it even more weird. Like if Carreras was playing at 15 instead of Malia, you you they're definitely not losing anything. That's for sure. Like how much they're gaining is, is is different, but yeah, it's very it's interesting. I won't lie. Yeah, you're talking about Sanchez now though, but uh, Sanchez can has often gone off the rocker, and I mean he was playing. his last game. He yeah, was he, good. He, we, that's all we can take. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the fact that he was injured, I mean, Stad let him go like mid-season to go play for Breve, and then he wasn't even starting at Breve. So and he managed to claw yeah, it back like, though. But you're right; he does. He yeah, has he that does. moment. But listen, name show me an mm. Argentinian who doesn't. 
<laughs> Show me an Argentinian <laughs> who somewhere along the line in a test match has gone, shit, I actually just wish I was somewhere having a hamburger. You know, like... Boffelli. I don't think Boffelli's ever done that. <laughs> Fair enough. True, true. No, he's... Yeah, I think he's the most un-Argentinian Argentine in that team. Yeah, guys, maybe getting into predictions and all that sort of stuff. Maybe before that... Who's the, Sean, the two players that you're looking out for or a player from each side that you're looking out for and how they play? Um, I'm really uh, interested in um, in Gonzalez. Do you remember last year when he sort of hit the ground or mm. last year or the year before, but he was dominating and we haven't seen that Gonzalez yet. That's he true. was working, doing really well in the premiership and I was I was super excited for for the World Cup, and I think he's a little been a little bit quiet. Um, however, if if any time it's going to happen, it's going to happen now. So I'm definitely keeping an eye out for him. Um, and then I'm I've I've been loving watching Liam Williams lately. He's in incredible form at the moment. He's not taking any shit from anybody. Like he's just happy <laughs> to dish it out. Like he just does his thing. So I'm I'm super pumped to 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 watch Liam Williams. I. I love him. I actually think he's such a vital part of that back line. And considering Tompkins and North and mainly Tompkins playing so, so well, um, it's, it's, it's difficult to, to say, but like Liam Williams is, is the glue for me right now and allows everyone else to do what they need to do. For you, Jared. Yeah. Uh, from Argentina, I think uh, Thomas Gallo, uh, I saw. I, I still think he needs to sort Love out it. his scrummy team. Um, he's he's such an awesome player around the pitch. Like him and Angus Bell give me such great hope for the future of loose head props. Like the two of them are just mm-hmm. like tearing it up. And while Bell was able to get his scrummy team right, uh, Gajo has just not done the same. But I, I, I do love him as a player. Um, and then for Wales, I think um, you you can't look past Jack Morgan. Like he's just phenomenal. Like he's going to be, I think he's going to be the Wales captain going forward for for most of his career, and he deserves it. Like he's tearing it up, and yeah, I, I'd but like I, to see uh, Dowie Lake get a good shot off the bench as well, um, especially going up against Creevy if uh, Creevy ever gets on the pitch. But yeah. Side notes: I was having a look at some highlights and stuff that Jack Morgan twenty two twenty two did he did against Australia. I want everybody to go back yeah. and find it. And have a look at what an absolute shit show that Australian lineout was. <laughs> it they was of each other. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't and believe Dave it. Pareki had a hundred percent success rate before that. <laughs> Mate, I've never. I I could I could I could manage. I could organize and I could execute a lineout better on my own than what they did there. <laughs> it was schoolboy stuff. Oh. Yes, Sean, we really get in a treat that we get in some lineout analysis from. <laughs> it's really deep in the World Cup now. No, it's, it's not all, yeah. It's it's not all Mate. just uh, attacking phases and uh, strike plays. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who well, should play outside ten? Exactly. Exactly. I have to, <laughs> I have to spread my wings. Um, I've been working. I've been actually, honestly, I've been chatting to a couple of props to try and understand a little bit more about scrummaging. I'm still not excellent, but I thought the lineups was a good place for me to start. But um, it doesn't take an expert, and I'm by no means an expert, but it doesn't take even a rugby fan to see how shit that lineout was. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think for me, the players I'm looking out is the two sevens. Uh, Marcos Kramer, I think, has to have a massive game if Argentina are going to win. 
Um, he has to kind of, I think, similar to what Sean said with Gonzalez, like between Gonzalez and Kramer, they have to take up what Matera does um, around the field with his ball carrying, his ability to turn the ball over, um, his ability to make big dominant tackles. Like Kramer has to just lead from the front there. And then um, with uh, Morgan, he, I mean, not Morgan, with Tommy Rafael, obviously he's coming on for Falatau. And Argentina is, is really bad in keeping their own ball. And this is probably a place for Wales to target them. And if Argentina are going to keep the ball and try to go phase by phase and, you know, be high possession, then the best way to disrupt that is to get turnovers. So, yeah, I'm looking at Tommy Rafal getting those Tommy turnovers that he likes to do. Okay, prediction time. Sean? Yeah, I I'm I was very much in Wales, in the Welsh corner. I really thought that they were going to probably win it comfortably. They love a knockout. They love World Cup knockouts. They play World Cup knockout rugby. I have a funny feeling Argentina are going to upset them. Um, Dan Bigger's going to blow his lid again, but <laughs> um, I'm going to... Yeah, it's going to be close, but I have a funny feeling that Argentina, if they're within sort of five, ten, five, seven points with like 15 minutes to go, that they take it. So Argentina by three. Okay, Jared? Yeah, I, I, I'm very split with this one because I don't want to go against a, a, a Borfelli team or against a bigger team. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I, I I think it's I think it's actually just going to be Wales. I think they're going to go full semi-finals or like uh, Grand Slam decider mode, and uh, they're going to make it ugly for for Argentina. And um, I don't think anyone plays besides the Springboks. I don't think anyone plays ugly rugby as well as Wales do. So, and I mean that in like as a compliment. It really is. Um, and I think they'll just yeah kick the shits off the. Uh, out of the ball and scrum, try to win as many penalties as they can, work their way up the field. And yeah, I don't think it'll be pretty, but I think Wales will, will win this one. To be yeah, fair, Argentina are, are very, very high and very, very much first place on the list of teams that can absolutely screw the pooch and get dragged down into the shits and play a different game because of another team. So. No, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's why I'll say Wales because Argentina, I think this this for Argentina is basically the England game, but with a team that has a little bit more confidence than England did. And we saw what happened in that game. <laughs> it was terrible for Argentina. And yeah, I trust Wales to make less errors. I trust Wales to, you know, not try and overplay the ball and to, you know, keep possession in 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 the deep they only do that against fiji and that's why dan big has to shout at people and mm-hmm. yeah I, I just i can't yeah i think matera is going to be more of a loss ultimately i think wales can still this won't be the game where falatau is absolutely needed but yeah i think it'll need jack morgan to be carrying well and to sort of take that that work on and i think rafael's gonna have two three four turnovers um, so yeah, I'm gonna predict Wales um, sneaking over in this one, and Argentina sort of playing themselves into trouble too much. Okay, let's get into well, if this is not the full dessert, this is the 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 meat in your meal, which is Ireland versus New Zealand. Um, 
we know Ireland and how good they've been. They obviously topped the the pool with South Africa and they were managed to play well against both South Africa and Scotland. New Zealand had that loss before the World Cup to the Springboks at in Twickenham. They lost the first game of the of the of the World Cup to France and they've come back well since then. They've pretty much beaten up on all the other minnow teams and and put, you know, 70 plus on them. Jared, I think the question is how much value does one take from those three games that New Zealand had post um, the France game? Yeah, I'd like to say that you can take a little bit of value from that uh, Italy win of how much, by how much of a a winning margin they did get. But um, yeah, it was almost like Italy sort of tapped out after about 20 minutes. So yeah, I I think it is difficult. I do still think that New Zealand uh, have one of those Auckland performance in them, um, whether it's that first game against uh, uh, Ireland last year or the one against the Springboks uh, earlier this year. So, yeah, I, I think there is one of those left in New Zealand and there's quite a lot of like emotional power that can go um, for them in this game. Same with Ireland, but... Uh, there's a lot of legends with the All Blacks that are going to be playing their last matches and they're quality players. So I think they could step up and really make a big, big difference. So, yeah, it's going to be a hell of a game. But uh, like you said, I don't think you can read too much into those um, those big um, victories, but I also don't think you can read too much into their loss to France because they, they were just diabolical in that game um, once Aaron Smith went out and... Yeah, they had some big players missing missing that fixture as well. Yeah, Sean, I, I think this is the difficult thing with this game is any other team that had won close to 80% of their games in the last three or four, well, four years um, are the Grand Slam champions, beat this particular team at their house um, in a series last year. I would say it seems like a pretty easy game to call. Give it to Ireland and they should be able to win by a little bit. But obviously because of the history, it just makes everything so confusing. And because the All Blacks, you can't really just, you know, count them out. So yeah, I don't know how, like, how are you thinking about this game? You can't write the All Blacks off. And we've tried to, but we all know in the back of our, our mind that that we're lying to ourselves if we think that the All Blacks are gonna get like on are, are not worthy of beating Ireland because they can. We all know they can. And I always look back at like the old Bull side, the old Crusader side, the old Saracens. Like even when they were going in their dip, they were still deadly in playoffs. Um, they were you know they were still whipped out a big win every now and then. It's it's in their DNA. They've they've so used to it and had it with them for so long. So yeah, it's going to be interesting i the way i see this game is somebody's going to win comfortably it's not going to be a two-pointer someone's going to win by 12 points mm. that, that's how it that's how i feel like someone's like either the all blacks are going to come out and whip the shit out of them and Ireland are going to fight back and then it's just gonna they're going to be stretched stretched a little bit and that's it or Ireland are going to just do their stuff, dominate, and then um, the All Blacks are going to crumble and then Ireland will come to be. That, that's what I think. I think it's going to be a, a big win for someone. I don't think that's a bad shot. So I'm looking at the results since 
um, that twenty uh, since twenty eighteen, and uh, it looks like the bigger the the closest margin is seven points. So I mean, mm. it, yeah, it's 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 generally goes that way. The last game it was ten points to Ireland, eleven the game before that, um, and then in the twenties for for the for the Eden Park game, the Ireland's last game that they lost. So I think it's quite possible that they go that way and. Yeah, I think it could be for either team, really. I, th I think it's really that close. I'm a bit nervous of um, over-analyzing and overthinking it like um, we saw with the Scotland, and it ended up being quite a comfortable win for South Africa. And Scotland went the entire World Cup without really firing a shot. So, yeah, I, I, I do think this is going to be one of those games where it can sort of balloon out and it ends up being a 12 or 20-point win kind of thing. You can, yeah, I, I think with that history, you can see, and yeah, you can see how the game goes like that, that the start's going to be so important. Like, you can see both teams, if they, each of them get to a, a pretty good start, then whatever bad voices in your head are going to come out. So either the All Blacks will start thinking, sheesh, like, you know, maybe this just isn't meant for us, meant to be for us. Like, yeah, it's just not been our best four-year cycle. And obviously for Ireland, it's the quarterfinal hicks. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, we've seen how Ireland, how good Ireland was in the Springbok and in the Scotland game. And I think what's been most impressive about Ireland is just the different ways that they've won. And arguably, you can say maybe um, New Zealand plays obviously a, a very heightened, but in a similar way to what Scotland does. And basically how Ireland attacked them was in defense will obviously just spread out and put you and give you some line speed and then let the likes of Doris, et cetera, like put pressure in your rucks. And then an attack will just target a particular weakness. Now, Sean, <laughs> there's a certain weakness in the defense of New Zealand <laughs> that you've been speaking about for the last hmm. two, three years. I wonder what that weakness is. To be fair. And earlier this year, I have been saying that Rico Ioani has been, tackling well like his defensive numbers look good i still feel that he finds himself out of position um every now and then but it's less the thing is is ireland are so good at manipulating you so if there is a weakness they will expose it i personally feel that ireland are going to be attacking that 13 channel um they're going to be working it with their wingers they love to bring both their wingers in off the line they don't mind using them and working them ever which way is necessary and the thing is, is when you get so overwhelmed, Ireland, when they do the sexton loop, is you have so many numbers. You've got so many runners coming at you. You kind of get overwhelmed by making that decision. I mean, I've watched footage where I've tried to like think how, what can you do at that position to try and pick someone? Like what tell is there? Where's it going to go? What's happening? And it's hard. So, I mean, imagine, I mean, that's like an aerial view. Imagine fronting up, facing up to this sort of stuff, you know? So I personally feel it's going to be up front and in the 13 channel that they're going to try and expose them. Yeah. And there's, I think with New Zealand and the, like probably the reason I'm going to sort of jump the gun here, why I'm backing Ireland is there's just enough little things that I'm just not certain of with New Zealand, which are things that have been obviously issues throughout the last four years. I mean, obviously it's a better team than it was in 2022 in that test series because De Groot and Lomax are now the props and not George Bauer. Um, 
you know, Ritalik is playing well. Scott Barrett is probably playing his best rugby at the moment. Shannon Frizzell has turned into a quality international blindside flank now. I mean, I think there was a, I remember Jared tweeting that, you know, he does it in super rugby, but he hasn't done it yet in international rugby. And this season has been actually the season where he's actually um, produced the goods there. And then, you know, backline wise, obviously the three playmaker thing has worked well for them with Monga, Barrett, well, Barrett times two, all playing and, and kicking. So, yeah, I think the only way New Zealand wins is that they play at the level and with the same game plan that they did uh, in Mount Smart. So kick well, kick good contestable kicks, and then just make the, you know, make the ball and play time as high as possible. Although Ireland wouldn't mind that too much. And then just, you know, the attack has to be so, so good. I think it has to be led by Frizzell carrying well. It has to, you know, use width and use the blind side as much as possible. And just any, don't give France, I mean, Ireland any time to sit down. I think they have to make Doris, uh, Van der Flair, those sort of people tackle 20, 30 times and make sure Tugburn also may, it doesn't have a chance to get into the ball as well. Like, New Zealand are the team that has to play at 100%. Ireland can play at like 80, 90%, I think, and still win. Yeah, there's going to be one moment in the game. It's probably going to be in the middle, middle towards the end of the first half, where it's going to be whoever blinks first loses. And I have a funny feeling it's going to be a multi-phase attack by the All Blacks and the Irish are just going to be defending and we all know that they can defend, but who's going to, who's going to buckle first. The All Blacks are going to knock on or throw it into touch or get tackled into touch or are Ireland going to not fold quick enough. And there's going to be numbers out wide. There's going to be one moment in the second, in the first half that is going to change the whole aspect of this game. Oh yeah. And I, I think one thing that's uh, really actually ended up working in the All Blacks' favour is I think Leicester Fyanganuku is actually a better fit to face Ireland than uh, what Mark Talia yes. is. And yes. I love Talia as a player. I really do. But the breakdown threat that the Irish wingers have, I think he he will be able to um, counteract that. And um, Tolo was talking about how, how they have to kick well and him chasing a kick, getting back on his and contesting for the ball is, is also going to be key. And um, yeah, I, I think we've forgotten, but we haven't seen this Frizzell, Kane, um, Savia, back row since that game in Mount Smart. So they've been playing all of their matches without that without that starting trio. Mm. And I, I think it makes a massive difference for them. I think uh, if, you, if you look elsewhere in the team, Ethan DeCroote and um, Tara Lomax are far and away their best props. And yeah, with Wayne Barnes at the whistle this weekend, maybe Andrew Porter actually gets penalised and then it can become a very long day for Ireland because if Andrew Porter gets properly blown at the scrums, it, it it's almost every scrum that New Zealand's going to be able to get 20 or 30 metres deeper into Ireland's half. Does Barnes penalise scrums? He doesn't... I mean, yeah, I don't, yeah, well, it depends. Uh, sometimes you'll just want to get it over and done with, and uh, you'll play, uh, you'll say, I oh, use it if it goes down, kind of thing. But uh, who knows? I'm I'm just putting it out there. Maybe yeah. maybe it actually does happen. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Both benches. side notes. Did you guys did you guys see that rugby World Cup image that they 
they pushed out about the last eight and they had those those two packs scrumming against each other <laughs> yes scrumming scrumming skew <laughs> <laughs> oh it's phenomenal that gotta give it to world rugby for the accuracy there <laughs> Uh, I, think, I just think it's an artist, an artist with a with a good sense of humor and understanding of the game, and whoever proofed it at World Rugby had no clue, else they would have vetoed it. Oh, that's fantastic. <laughs> Both benches are very interesting because there's some yeah. obviously big experienced players. I mean, the Sam Whitelocks, the Dane Coles, the Connor Murrays. There's some like obviously call them X Factor type players. You know, D Mac, Jack Crowley. And then there's some very either inexperienced or very young players, um, you know, Kilcoy, uh, Williams and Ewell, I think, at the front of that as well. Like, you know, if this game doesn't go to type of the last few New Zealand Island games and it's tight after 60 minutes, I, I'm, I'm not 100% sure which bench, because I'm pretty certain that the Island bench is better. I mean, Island uh, first 15 is better, but... Not the hundred percent sure about the island bench now without James Ryan and um with Mac Hansen also. I mean that's mm. that um calf looks like it's banished up to the nines. Yeah, there's there's a few things. I mean, Joe McCarthy's obviously not really that experienced. Jimmy O'Brien is not a, that experienced as well. Like, you know, New Zealand probably have a bit of an advantage there. Yeah, and I think uh, you look at uh, Kelleher, he had that meltdown at the line outs against mm. uh, the Springboks. And you've got fucking Sam Kane coming off of the bench. Uh, Sam Whitelock, not Kane, sorry. Coming off of the bench. And if, if I was um, faster, the minute I saw uh, Kelleher uh, going out, I'd either get Frizzell or get um, or get Brody Retallick off the pitch and get Sam Whitelock on there as soon as possible. Because, yeah, if, if he's uh, putting pressure on the Irish line-out on Kelleher's throws and he's as good as he was against South Africa, they're not going to win a line out. So, yeah, I, I fully agree with you there. The, the benches are very interesting. I still um, think that they should have gone with Cam Roygaard for the mm. All Blacks. Um, Agreed. Um, yeah, I, 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 I see a lot of the reasonings why they go with Christie, but Roygaard just, he, he seems to be more of that uh, Kurt Barlow when you look at that uh, what, with the 2015 World Cup. Mm. I think he's just a better fit for that. But uh, yeah, you got uh, the, the Batman replacements. I think the, the All Blacks uh, get the edge there. And uh, I think the forward replacements, it's sort of up in the air. Yeah, I also, I saw that the, the All Blacks have only lost one line out in the whole competition so far, which yeah. is ridiculous. Peter Armani mm. will be uh, loving to, to make that more than to double that number quick, quick. <laughs> yeah. Look, yeah. I mean, in terms of matchups, I'll start off, but Omani versus Sam Kane should be worth the admission fee alone because I'm sure regardless of where the result goes, one of them is going to say something to the other and make sure they say it close to a ref mic. So, yeah. Omani's going to remind him of him being a crap McCormick. He might even downgrade to a crap Marty Holler. Um, and Sam <laughs> Reyes call him a zombie or something. Like, something's going to happen there. It's going to be fantastic. And obviously, both play a pretty similar way, too. So, they're going to have a lot of interaction. I think Artie, I think Artie's going to be doing most of the chirping. I think Sam's just going to jaw. But there will be banter. I like it. Yeah. 
Well, well, I'm, 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 I'm hoping Bad Boy Barrett comes out for this one. Um, the one that was shushing uh, Nick Watt. And <laughs> like, we haven't seen Bad Boy Barrett and since he got red carded against uh, at, at Twickenham. So mm. hopefully we get to see Bad Boy Barrett out. And uh, yeah, he will probably have a good go at Peter Ovani as well. It's Barrett and Sevilla. Those are those are the two that are going to be cracking it open, followed by Retalic in the front row, in, yeah. the, in the pack. Those are the guys that are going to be chirping nonstop. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, and, and I think Barrett's going to be so important also to just make sure that Gibson Park doesn't get clean ball. I mean, JGP's not, he's great as a like passing scrum off and obviously he's very quick, but his box kicking is pretty bad actually when you compare it to other elite nines. And we saw how the Springboks just put a lot of pressure on him. So I think Scott Barrett's number one job is put pressure on Gibson Park. And when you have a chance on Sexton, level him. <laughs> just yeah. level him as far as you can. Just in terms I, I, of chirping, I, in terms of chirping, yeah. like, well, unfortunately, um, the All Blacks definitely edge it. And it's only yeah, for one reason. And that's they've got the grub. And he's on the bench and he's going to be keeping it for the last 20 minutes of the game. But Dan Coles is going to come on and just spray everybody. And and think about it. It's not just his, it could be not just his last all black game, but he's his last game. Like he's retired after this. So he, he will go still playing for the all blacks. Huh? Can't believe he's still playing for the all blacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't forget about Sexton in terms of trips. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This could be the banter and bullshit game of the tournament. Yeah, there's Wayne going Bonds. to be plenty. And I mean, considering considering, and actually, to be fair, it's set up so perfectly for it because there's a lot of there are a lot of full of shit players on the park. Like a lot of guys that are happy to talk. Like there are a lot of guys that will shut their mouth and don't say a single word. That's just how they play. Like Bundy Aki. Like he'll just run over you and you'll chirp him, and that's pretty much it. But there's a lot of guys here that are going to talk a lot of shit. And considering Ireland, the last time any memory these two have of each other is Ireland winning in New Zealand, it's going to even make it more. Plus the Irish quarterfinal vibes. And oh, man, we're in for a belter. Yeah, I oof, I think there's going to definitely be some, yeah, like we need that. Sometimes, uh, well, the Premier League has done this thing where they release um, the comms between the refs and the um, the the VAR and all that sort of stuff. But we need Wayne Barnes's ref mic as a separate channel on Supersport or something, and we can just keep it for eighteen <laughs> minutes because, yeah, we're gonna hear a lot of chirps and comments, especially regardless of how the game goes. There's, I mean, think that last series just ended not on bad blood, but yeah, obviously both teams are quite competitive against each other, so. Yeah, that's gonna be exciting, Sean. Um, I don't think I've heard what your the players that you're looking or that you're looking at from both sides yet. Me, um, Lester Fanganuku, I'm definitely looking after. Um, um, I, I love him. I think he's great, and I think he is a better fit. I think he needs to be playing for the All Blacks. It's it's tough to say that Talia doesn't because because he's just beating every defender every, anytime he touches the ball. But I think Lester Fanganuku is better. Um, he he provides that like go over you um that go over you vibe as well um that's one the other um i'm after is definitely bundy aki um he's having the tournament of his life and the all blacks know that they have to stop him and plus there's just the fact that he <laughs> played super rugby and he's a kiwi um yeah uh, oof, it's gonna be epic 
And Jared, did I ask you? You said Barrett. I think right. you said time for Ireland. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I, I think I'll go with Tagburn. Um, yeah, Sean's talking about Aki having the game, uh, like the tournaments of his life, but I think uh, Burns doing the same. I don't think he ever has a poor game for Ireland, really, but uh, True. I think he's been phenomenal. Like, he really, really has. Um, I think he's sort of flown a little bit under the radar with uh, Aki taking all of the, the spotlight. So, yeah, I'll, I'll pull him out for there. And yeah, I, th- I think uh, the other one will. I'll go in the tight, tight, um, and go with Cody Taylor. Um, actually, Tyrell Lomax. Sorry, um, Lomax is like I. Uh, I think he's really up there with one of the best tight heads in the world, and uh, I think he's going to show it this weekend. Okay, predictions. Yeah, I've said already. Ireland are going to win, and I guess because of your history, Ireland by ten. Sean. I really, I really feel that we're going to be surprised by the All Blacks, and I have a funny feeling that they're going to win it. But as you mentioned, and when you mentioned it earlier, when you're like, you can't ignore what Ireland have been doing for the last three years, and every time we've looked at a game and think it's going to be competitive, and it's not just because of like the the cream rises to the top. So I'm going to say Ireland, and Ireland are going to have like a good, good. 14 to 19.1. Yeah, I, I I think I'm going to go with you, Sean. Um, I, I really don't want it to be the case. Like, I do want um, Ireland to win um, for guys like uh, Tom and the guys at Provincial State of Mind. But... Uh, Yes, I, I, I've, I've, I've just, I've just got a, I've just got a feeling that the War Blacks are going to pitch up and they, they're going to play, they, they're going to have their Auckland test, and yeah, I think that's just where, where it's going, and when the All Blacks play like they do at Auckland, it's, it's just, it's just tickets for anyone. So, I, I, I think that's just where it's going. Um, I, I can't give any kind of profound more reasoning behind it. I just think it's going to happen. <laughs> And yeah, just think- like that, we've lost like 10, 10 podcasting <sighs> mates in Ireland. We actually, honestly, <laughs> have zero podcast mates in New Zealand. So now we're going to have to go and find some new people. So guys, <laughs> please um, please email us um, and uh, or hit us up in socials. You know, we, we there are a couple of positions open for some podcast mates because Jared's just killed off a whole bunch of them. <laughs> I'm so did you, mate. <laughs> I'm like I was talking and stuck on me. <laughs> I'm just wanting yeah. It's look, I'm so pro razor, so that they, they will all come back for that afterwards. Um Do you, yeah. sorry, Tala, I, I apologize. Do you I'm wondering how much this is going to affect the all blacks player all black players in a real in that real tough moment. Like if they collapse, will they then just be thinking, oh, thank goodness, like we've got something new to look forward to. Like, how is this going to impact the players? You know, did did that happen to mm-hmm. Italy? Like, did Italy, like, when they crumbled, were they like, oh, fuck it, like, we'll, did, we'll move on? What, see, like, will it matter? Yeah, did you see when um, Crowley subbed off Lamaro and Lamaro was Yo. not happy about it? Yes. So I, I don't think you're wrong there, Sean. I don't know, though, because, yeah, obviously there's a lot of, well, it's a World Cup quarterfinal. There's a lot of reason to play well. But mm. 
this does seem like a game where if someone does get to 10 plus points and it's what 60 odd minutes i think the heads drop and it's like well you know we always choke in the quarterfinal well you know Ireland just has our number and it's been a crap four years with foster like it it really does seem like that sort of game like it could like i think this france south africa game i don't care if it's a 20 point lead for whoever i can still see that game ending like within three points but on the other side this game could not a blowout not a scotland blowout but like it could get to a 10 to 15 points just on the basis of a team just being like well this is it for us but um yeah i'm yeah, uh, Jared, on your point about New Zealand having one more big game, the NPC final is next week, so they can have a big game over there, to be fair. We'll uh, be back in time for it. They'll be in time for it. 100%. Canterbury. Canterbury are out. No, they lost, oh, they lost no. to the Naki. Oh, well, <laughs> the Bears can pay for the Taranaki then. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> this, is, this changes everything. Everything. If it's World Cup rules, you're out of your hotel by 10 o'clock the next morning. No one's staying for... For the 29th awards, then you can always come back. They're all going to go back for the NPC final. <laughs> yeah. Well, that'll be a great farewell for Bowden Barrett from New Zealand Rugby, a final for Taranaki. Um, let's then go to more more vegetables. England versus Fiji. Fiji, unfortunately, don't have Teti Teller playing for them this weekend. They mm. are going with Potito at 10. Luckily, I don't know how. Maybe... Um, Wasaki Naholo's um, doctor was contacted, but Naisalev was playing with that heavily bandaged um, thigh. Radradra's back, Tuisova's in, Botia's in. So most of the big names are there. They made a change at hooker as well, with Ikanivere playing instead of Matavesi to try and fix that line out. And then um, for England, <laughs> they have... England are so obsessed with playing with two fly halves. I don't understand it. Now it's <laughs> no... Let's stop the Ford and Farrell thing. Let's go Farrell and Smith at 15. Uh, Jared, yeah, I don't, I, I genuinely don't know anymore with England. I, I, I don't either. Like, I, I, I thought a while back that like Smith at 15 could really work. Um, but not just like doing it for the, for, what, the second time or third time in a quarterfinal of a rugby world cup. And the thing is, is I think they'll be able to bullshit this one because of um, Fiji's uh, issues at fly half. I think if Fiji had an out and out fly half starting this game, even if it was Ben Volavola, I think they actually win this game. I really do. But they, they're going to bullshit their way through this game. Uh, England's going to get their forward dominance. Farrell's going to play them in the right parts of the game of the field like Farrell's just too much of a good player to to um not get uh, out game managed or get bossed by another fly off that doesn't play fly off week in and week out for for his for his club so that's sort of where I see it going um I know I'm jumping ahead with the um predictions but it, it, I, I just think it's it's such a big mistake that you've played one fullback for almost the entire four years, um, and now you you ditch him completely for a quarterfinal match. Yeah, is that they don't have another they don't have another fullback on they don't have a fullback in that twenty three. Mm. Yeah, they don't That's have a fullback in the whole twenty three. Like oh, you could probably go with Daly at fullback. Ellie Daly oh. could play, yes. 
But they yeah, don't he, have a he, fifteen. He played, he played fullback for a long time for, yep, for Jones. He did. He? Yeah, yeah. But it's that's the emergency. But it's just weird, man. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, because what Daly can move to fullback, Martian can move onto the wing and they bring Ollie Lawrence on. Yeah. They've got options. But yeah, but you're do. right. This is a walk-up quarterfinal. And you again, you're right. It's because they're playing Fiji. They're disrespecting Fiji in that they're hoping to gain some momentum out of this. And sorry, Tala, I know I'm kind of jumping in here, but no, go on. The, uh, everyone, like all the podcasts I was listening to and just things I'm reading were all like blowing up about how Marcus Smith and how well he played and how he changed everything at 15. He's not an international 15 yet. Like this is really <laughs> slippery times to be testing this stuff out because the truth is you don't know that he's a test 15. You're hoping. And that's scary. Mm. Well, the thing is, is a young flower can generally play test rugby at 15. But like for, for me, like the, doing it in this kind of thing, and like I say, England can bullshit their way through this. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, would we have thrown um, Damien Willems uh, ahead of Billy uh, LaRue during the quarterfinals of or quarterfinals of last World Cup or semifinals of the last World Cup? There's no ways. We wouldn't have done that. Like, as a pure like selectional um, choice, we wouldn't have done that. If it came to injuries, of course, but th th this is a straight tactical switch. Also, is it not for the wrong game? Because if anything, England should stick. I mean, what I was saying about Wales earlier about them sort of playing a narrow, boring mm. game, you can copy paste it yeah. to England and just say it's less efficient. So, they kick them. I think they've kicked the second most in the competition. Their attack has been pretty horrible. Like they're at the slowest ruck speed. They're not really getting offloads and beating defenders. Like their whole thing is kick the ball, go deep, and like make less mistakes than your opponent. So, I mean, hmm. Smith at 15, you're opening up at least one avenue for mistakes. And it's not like Fiji's kicking game hasn't been, um, it's been pretty good in this, in this World Cup, or at least decent. So, I can see nicer level putting some pressure on him. And yeah, again, if Fiji had a proper full, I mean, proper fly off um, on Saturday, I'd probably be leaning towards them. Like, I just feel like if they did this against, you know, in the, in the semifinal next week, if they make it through, I would kind of understand it, even though the risk would be greater um, playing a better mm. team. Mm. But because you're like, okay, the advantage is England knows they can't win. Like, tried to go out with Smith and having multiple playmakers. In this game, you're like, the, the thing that England should have done is be as boring as possible. Like, play the Argentina way mm -hmm. or the how they play against Argentina. Like, copy-paste. I'm not... Yeah, that's why I'm just... I'm so confused. Like, as you're thinking, okay, England has some sort of identity. They know how they want to play. Farrell probably comes back at the wrong time. It seems like Borthwick is married to, like, the idea of playing Farrell in the big games, which... I don't mind, obviously. I know Farrell's a great player. But then, yeah, either play Farrell at 10 and keep the same back line and have, um, then have both Ford and Smith on the bench if you must. Or, mm. like, tr like stick with Ford and Farrell 10 and 12. Like, the only, it didn't work against Samoa because your whole team sucked, not because they sucked. <laughs> so this, yeah, and this is my thing. Sorry, Jared. This is my thing, though. Is Smith is going to be found out positionally? The one... Good thing about there's two things about Smith. He's very, very he's he's a very he's a talented player and he's got a good vision, but he also has a very high work rate. So he can scramble out of shit quickly. The problem is, is mm. he's not a big guy. So England have to, are England strong enough 
and 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 trustworthy enough on defense that there's not going to be a a break because when when mm. Fiji break they break with two or three monsters and they no they're not going to always run over you because they they're happy to look for the pass but the thing is is, is Smith is, you know Stewart's going to go in there and clean someone's pipes but but Smith is going to try and shuttle between the two not not have a a, a one like a head on tackle he's going to try and get a, like something around the legs on the side so that's also the thing that I'm worried about for them. Yeah, and one of the one of the things that I've spoken about here about uh, Steve Borthwick is that uh, he's a poor selector. Like uh, they yeah. will say, no, he's a good, he's a good coach, but he's a poor selector. And I, I never quite understood it until he uh, like took over um, England. Like I always thought his Leicester target teams were pretty well picked. But then, like when I look at this team, like I, I wouldn't want to be going like as a South African fan. I, if I was English, I wouldn't be wanting to go into a, a quarterfinal with Ben or a open side flanker packing down at number eight. Alex Mitchell, I think, has been pretty decent, but uh, yeah, I still don't see Joe Marshall as like a international quality uh, thirteen defensive. Shut- no, seriously. Seriously, yeah. defensively, I don't think he, Tyler, he crashed. Tyler, can we just can we cancel that EFT? Thank you. You've been docked twenty percent now, Jared. Sorry. And then, and then and then you look at Marcus Smith at fullback. Yeah, you you've got your form fly half in George Ford, the guy that's won you the premiership when you were in charge of Leicester Tigers. He saved England's bacon in against Argentina. He's been phenomenal this World Cup, and he's sitting on the bench, like. Yeah, he he can come probably right at the end and Yanni De Beer his way and send England into the semi-finals. But I mean, seriously, I I I, I don't quite understand the, the makeup of the team. And yeah, you take one specialist number eight and he sits on the bench as well. Like I, I to me, it just doesn't make sense. It really doesn't. And do you know what I I, I said to you on uh, Twitter earlier, Tala? Is there's a very good chance that um. Of the two uh, top four teams that go through um, on South Africa's side of the pool, there's a very good chance that one of those two don't make it to the final. Mm. And I could see one of them just fucking fall into England. I really could. I really could. <laughs> you're they're so bad though. Like I mean, life yeah, is. They, they can bullshit it. They can no. bullshit it. <laughs> I'd cry. And if the finals like box England or. I mean, great for the box, but like in terms of being a rugby fan, that would like make my like yo, I'd, I'd cry because it'd be such a bad final. They've they've got good enough players in certain positions to bullshit their way to a World Cup. Mm. I really believe that. Go on, yeah. Sean. You know, so Jerry, just a quick quick one on your Earl comment. I, I'm I'm also wasn't happy with him being at eight, but I'll tell you one thing though, he has impressed me at eight. The big thing for me is is the two guys on the side. So Laws and Curry. Earl needs that. Um, or Ludlam as well. So I think he's fine. I was very surprised about Mitchell getting getting a look in ahead of Danny Kerr. Mm. That's that was that was something that surprised me. And then on the Farrell Ford debate, I, I think it's a, a matter of um of, of opinion because I think that they're both very I think they're both excellent and they both can lead England. I don't think one is exceptionally better than the other. And that's that's the unfortunate thing. And I, I, I think that that's what Borthwick fell into last week was that he was like, I have to play them both. But we all know, like, that's the shittest idea ever. So you've got to start one 
And whether it was Ford or Farrell, I don't think it matters. I think England are just fine in that way. And it's unlucky for Ford. It'll also, like, honestly, it'll be unlucky for Farrell if he didn't start. You can come up with reasons about how he's been playing. But when he plays at 10, he he does fine. But, yeah, so – and then on, on your absolute blasphemy at 13 – Joe Marchant is he's just fine, Bree. You just you just don't like him. Like we'll we'll we we'll discuss this after the game and then we can say, did he have a good game or a bad game? Let's make this that that decision maker. Oof. I, I think that's fair, Sean. <laughs> Against nicer level as well. Sheesh. Um, that's, that's why I'm saying it, because one of the best the 13s against the other best 13s. <laughs> we'll see now. But yeah. That's plus for me. <laughs> <laughs> So One of the eight Jared has basically said England. I've pretty much said England. Sean? Yeah, England. Um, this is one of those times where you kind of don't, you want Fiji to win and you know that they can win, but their last two games made you think otherwise. And then it's also England. And I tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you now for free, if England went Ford Farrell 10-12, I probably would have gone Fiji. <laughs> but <clears throat> the only concern I have is Smith at 15. Um but yeah, England will win, and they're gonna have to play that boring rugby. They're gonna they're gonna kick the points, and they're gonna go for the corner, and they're not gonna do anything crazy. To Luggy's gonna set a platform, and they're gonna hope that that Fiji that Fiji don't have it in them to that you know that Fiji that that pitched up for Wales and, and Australia. If that Fiji pitches up, it's gonna be gonna be wild. But yeah, I'm gonna say England. Um, and then. Uh, Jared, two players looking out for, only or one on each team. Uh, yeah. Let's just see how Marcus Smith goes at fullback. So I'll I'll, I'll throw Marcus Smith. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, I I I don't know what else to say. Um, but uh, if if we look at the Fiji team, I'd I'd probably say um, Lavani Bartia. He's just Oof. phenomenal. I, I'm sticking with the pack, so I really am this one. But uh, <laughs> it's incredible. Um, and he's incredible with everything. Like, how many players could really play international rugby at seven and twelve and be dominant in both? Mm. I, I can't think. Of that. Like, maybe Quaker Smith, but he's doing it the other way around. But otherwise, no, 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 no. I can't think of another player that can do it. Yeah. This... Um, Go on, Sean. For me, Semi Radradra has he has to work he's he's been okay like he hasn't been the rod rod we used to and they need they need him on the field and they put him on the wing but they need to make sure that they work work with him they've got they've got the back line to do it but they need him if they can give him if they can give him that space and he can run at johnny may and they can recycle that ball and then they and then they force um force numbers overlap. They're they're in a good space. So I think a lot hinges on him. And the other one for me is Courtney Laws. Courtney Laws is an absolute weapon on defense. And everything is going to go around him and his performance. It's it's another 2023 20, test tackle day for him. And probably half of that on Botia. But Courtney Laws needs to needs to work it hard. Yeah, I think it's also time for Mari Toje to be the Mari Toje that we all know. Like, he hasn't really going got going in the World Cup so far. Um, he kind of did in the Argentina game, but I think he needs to make two or three turnovers, like 
be up there for dominant tackles. Like it's, I think it's this game could be won by Botia, but I think Itoje and I guess Laws have a big like they're the two people that can at least limit um, Botia's impact. Like they need to make sure that if he gets the ball, like he they he doesn't get momentum, and when he's in a ruck, they or he when he's around a ruck, they need to get there first. Like so, I think it's a big game for Itoje. Yeah, Ikanivere and Botitu between them at two and ten, if they can. I mean, we haven't even talked about the Fiji lineup being pretty average so far. Like, if they can have at least decent games and make at least most of their decisions right, like, it, it gives Fiji a chance. Just enough for Batia and nice level, et cetera, et cetera, to carry them through. I really want Fiji to win, but it's not looking like it will happen in that way. Okay. Uh, oh, okay, so, Sean, we get to dessert now. Um both the teams are out. Obviously, we've talked about this game for the whole week, and that's South Africa versus Fiji. I'll just ask you first about your reaction France. to... Oh, <laughs> I've just jumped to the semifinal. Um, yes, man. <laughs> let's first of all, just, yeah, like your reaction to the team selected by the box. Well, it was wow. Um, and we've been expecting <clears throat> a little bit of change and a little bit of this and that happening. I know I chatted about Reinach and that he fronted up to media and that I figured that he'd definitely get a look in. And I've been pretty happy with the way he's been playing. He, he really hasn't done anything wrong. Um, he he showed that he can start. Um, and yeah, so that was the big surprise, the 9-10 for me. Um, I think we all kind of agreed that starting Pollard and bringing Libacon was was probably the answer, but it's quite clear in what we're doing. Uh, for Mullen starting this and not getting a look in, we've gone 5-3. For me, this is, um, we're going to hit you hard for 20, 30 minutes. With Dwayne there, I think we're going to maul a lot. So we're going to be kicking for the corners. And we all know Manny can put it one centimeter away if we need. So, yeah, that was that was the that was the big one for me. Um, I'm loving that, uh, that backline bench. That's oozing experience. And they can let it rip if need be. Yeah, I think the game plan is very interesting, especially based on what happened... Um, against Ireland, because if you're picking Reinach and Lebok, the indication is you're going to, you know, keep the ball in hand a lot more, try to run. Obviously, we know how good Reinach is off the base of a ruck, and Lebok obviously plays a lot wider than Pollard would. So it's very interesting that they kind of are almost doubling down on the game plan from Ireland, but I guess the difference here will be a lot more rolling malls when they do get the chance um, in the French 22. Yeah, I, I kind of thought they would go narrow. Like, I'm, I think that's the one surprise mm. that I had there because, I mean, I, uh, France aren't necessarily maybe as do have have as many jackling threats as Ireland because uh, Marchand is not playing basically. But Aldrich and Dante, you know, they're, you know, they're very good customers in getting um, turnover ball. I mean, obviously, most of their team can probably do it, but those two especially. So. I don't know. Are they going to just be better at that? Are, gonna, are they going to try to make Aldrich and Dante just tackle a lot more? I, I wonder, yeah, this seems like they're committing to that game plan from Ireland. So I wonder what the changes will be if it's just going to be, okay, we're going to just improve execution here. Yeah. It's very interesting. Their, their loose chair is very big. Jalanche, Olivon, and Aldrich. Um, and then they've kind of, like with Waki and Flamont and at four and five, it's it's a little bit lighter. I mean, Waki's mm. 
yeah it's very it's very interesting and we've definitely changed it up the thing is is we're so used to i think like subconsciously we're all um 2019 game plan because we know that that won, won a world cup so we kind of we always i always i always fall back on that and talk about it yeah. and, and think about it and expect it and playing tight and dominating with our forwards we're so used to the bomb squad and, and everything but things are changing and it's clear and it's very evident that Jacques Ninaba is quite comfortable with what his plans are and what's going on. This, this is not a knee-jerk team selection. This is not an injury team selection. This is a team selection for a plan. And oh my word, I've, I'm even tired of me saying this, but I've been waiting for this plan and this is it, man. It has to be now. So, But for me, this just says we are mauling. It says we are we are playing wide and penalties. If we if they're not kickable, we're going to kick for the corner and more. But I think we are going for two three tries in the first twenty minutes. Yeah, and as we talked about, obviously over the week, the box haven't been good in terms of efficiency in the twenty two. So, like you say, short. It's probably the theory is that it's a volcano waiting to burst. Hopefully, but yeah, like I think. Yeah, there could be a lot learned from that first the first time the box get into the French twenty two. If they score, then I think it could be a relatively comfortable game. But if you know it's one of those that sort of peters out, or they make a mistake, or or they lose the ball or whatever, then it's I think you know there'll be a bit more of a panic. I think to that because the yeah, I this team is built for you know, especially with that bench, I think that bench is built for, we have a lead and we're trying to close the game out. Um, yeah. Not necessarily for chasing the game. I mean, Vili will, will help, um, but I can't see, I can't see that France being like 10 points ahead at about 50 minutes. And then the, that sort of bench helping with that because we don't have the advantage of more forwards so we can't really get the advantage with like grinding them out in the rolling mall and winning scrum penalties and winning our way back in that way. And if LaRue and Pollard come on, then probably LeBoc and Willems are off. So that obviously compromises our attack then. So it's, yeah, like this, I think this team is basically built for um, trying to get out early, trying to have a fast start. And yeah, I guess trying to get the crowd and all those factors out of the way as quickly as possible. So yeah, I think the first 20 minutes could be very vital for the Springboks. Um, yeah, I can, yeah, I can definitely also see like with Dwayne there, like, yeah, the lineouts and the rolling more, like there'll be a lot of emphasis on that. And yeah, France are definitely unhappy that Paul Willemser isn't in this game. Um, he was actually talking in the the French rugby podcast that yes. he's back fit now. So it, that's good. That's why I'm training at Montpellier. Yeah. So if they get to a semi-final, I guess he's available if there's an injury. But yeah, they would they wished Emmanuel Mofana was eligible now because yeah, he's a one man <laughs> more wrecking machine. Yeah. He's uh that's the thing though. It's it's so weird. We we've always said that the French are are just lacking that power up front the french have even gone in all of the french i mean even thomas said it in our, our pod earlier this week is that they just don't have the power to deal with us and then we go and name a 5-3 bench 
and um and we don't really seem to be utilizing that power so are we like double bluffing them are we saying cool we're going to change our game plan completely and everything they've prepared for it's going to be like different for them to understand or are we still going to hit with that power and will our guys be able to last so there are a lot of questions um but yeah and the thing is is even though if it doesn't like those first 20 minutes don't work in game, they're not going to be pulling um, Pollard and Willems straight away. So they're going to have mm. to manage it accordingly. Like the plan B in, in the first half will have to take, um, you know, take effect and all that sort of stuff. So we are in for something quite special. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a cracking game. And I think some questions will be answered, but I think there'll be more questions created with mm. other things. We'll be like, Holy shit. What, what is going on here? Like, what's this, what's happening how are the teams going to manage it and how are we going to use it moving forward? Yeah. I think, yeah, obviously it also helps that LeBoc has, in terms of him running the show, like he's obviously done this in URC knockout games um, to a good level. So like there is that experience that he can rely on because, yeah, it he'll need, I mean, yeah, probably best case scenario, he plays like about 50 minutes and he needs to obviously be as good as possible with his decision-making and his kicking and all that sort of stuff. Um, so that that's obviously one thing to look out for. Uh, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know, Sean, but I've not been as high on Reynach as other people have been. Um, I don't know what I'm missing, but yeah, I, mm. it's, I don't think he's been that good with the basic scrum-off stuff. But yeah, I like obviously he's shown at least with that Lions game two years ago that you know he can, you know, do the basics and and keep it tight and everything. Because I mean, there will be an element of Reynach. I think he's going to try to target you know the slower French um, pack in some places or the bigger French pack in some places, like a, a trailing runner running from Antonio or something like that. But on the other hand, like yeah, he we have to make sure that he has a great game with like his basics and his box kicking and all that sort of stuff. So that's going to be interesting. But yeah, I mean France is not that big as well now because they're not playing Willemse, um as a starting player. Taufe Funua only comes off the bench, so it's yeah. I think all of those complex things are, are quite interesting. Like I think Harry said it well that both teams are quite similar. And both teams can argue to themselves that they're a little bit better at a lot of things than the other team is. Sorry, mate, you, you broke up there. What? I just ask that again. I apologize. <laughs> no, sorry. I was just making a point. But yeah, I'm able to, we, I can move the conversation a bit forward then. Um, let's talk about the French side of things. I mean, not no real surprise except for 6-2. Um, yeah, and Makalu coming on for Jaminet. Yeah, it's quite a yeah. I I I guess yeah. I, I don't know if there's going to be any surprises for their approach. I mean, they've been quite consistent the last four years. Yeah, the one thing I think we are hoping for is that something happens and Makalu goes on the wing again, and we can <laughs> make right how we messed up last time. So, but yeah, they've surprisingly gone for a six-two. Um, they they named their team after us, so they've obviously had the option to have a look at it even though we we said we were delaying until we heard the french side um but yeah very very interesting 6-2 um i i'm quite happy with i don't mind luku or mofana coming on in the back so it doesn't bother me makalu neither francois Croix coming on he's he's quite a beast so yeah in up front 
I'm actually looking forward to the that first. there that's the one the one space that i i was looking at um yeah it's it's going to be interesting there's a lot happening here they've they've tried to bulk up a lot with their loose trio um and then gone with the six two so it's clear that they're going to try and focus on their forwards and hope that their backs will just do the business yeah look i think the the way to try and beat the spring box is you have to obviously suffer and you suffer by <laughs> trying to get not, I mean, obviously you won't probably dominate them up front, but just get parity. Just make sure that you like things don't go south with your scrum or with your rolling mall defense or whatever, like that the box can't really piggyback penalties. And France are a pretty disciplined side. They have the lowest penalties um, in the tournament so far um, of the eight teams remaining. Um, but they do, they don't mind. I mean, they're not like Ireland who, pretty much never concedes 10 plus penalties like they they do concede penalties but they'll try to concede them in their own half instead of con conceding it in the opponents or they concede them in the opponents off not their own half um so that'll be interesting just to see how they manage that and i'm sure this week has been a lot of more defense uh scrumming and all that sort of stuff and then i guess france is just going to be like if we can just get parity there and give our backs a platform enough times they know that they have the efficiency to make to capitalize on 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 the board that they get and to get to get points there because i mean yeah we know how good the french um backline talents especially are with ball in hand yeah oh, I, I i'm trying to look at at this and see what they're doing but as they're going to do them they they they'll do what they'll do and we are going to do what we've planned to do um, mm -hmm. to beat them. And it's clearly going to be different. We are in for something different. Um, but there's just questions. <laughs> and they're only going to be answered on Sunday night. Yeah. And um, I'm excited to see Dante and Delendi head on Ooh. head. I think Dante, Dante has the little bit. I think both of them actually have a little bit of ego about them that they want to get one over the other. Um, but I'm very excited for that. The Fiku Creel is going to be huge because they're two big 13s as well. We um, and my question is where are we going to carry? Like against Ireland, we carried Damien Delaney carried a couple times, and then Creel did a bulk of it. But surely we want Damien to carry more. Um, are we going to run him as a screen and then send it wide early? I don't know, but it's going to be a, a massive battle up there and. France, our pressure, we're going to be putting pressure on Jalibert. And I think Reinach is there to put pressure on DuPont because he's, Reinach is our biggest, hardest nine. Faf is a good defender, but if Reinach gets on you, he gets on you. You can't shrug him off. And DuPont is big and he's strong. And the last thing he probably wants now is someone in his face, like a Tawerko Barlow style player in his face all over him. Mm. And that's going to be followed up with us putting pressure on Jalibé. This, yeah, I think for DuPont and the sake of his injury, that's probably the last game he wants to re-enter into um, because there's yeah going to be big men all in his face basically the whole time. Um, I think thinking more and more about this, I kind of think we're going to copy-paste 
a lot of um, what Ireland did earlier this year um, against France uh, in the Six Nations and, you know, try for high ball and play time, try to basically stretch and tire out the French um, as far as possible, um, you know, launch our own plays. I mean, Ireland obviously can launch plays maybe more with their back line and us, we probably launch plays with more of like a forward, uh, forward-dominated platform and then go out wide. And then in the second half, what Ireland did well was they had they built the lead, and then what they did was they just kicked France out of the game. Like obviously, the territory game for France works well if the game's close or if France is leading. It doesn't work as well if they're chasing a ten point lead down. So they can't really kick all the possession away. And you know, a, a, a defense as good as Ireland and obviously as good as the Springboks. If France are coming from 50, 60 meters down, you know, they'd back their chances, like to shut them out nine times out of 10. So, yeah, I think that's probably the 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 game plan here is to, yeah, like you said, try to get ahead early, try to use um, Leboc and Reinach, especially if to, yeah, to take opportunities, to put them in positions to do that. And then in the second half, when those experienced backline players come on, then to shut shut the shut the water. This is what our second most experienced team ever, right? Forward pack. Um, oh, okay. Yes, I I think it's our most capped forward pack we've ever named. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, Jared's left, but he actually pushed it out. I'm sure it was him that that tweeted it. Yeah, all eight of them have we, over like fifty or sixty caps, which is yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, how few caps does Dwayne have, eh? I, yeah. I think we all kind of expected him to be on a century already. But going back to your points on on France, France don't want to be chasing against us. That's mm. the I think no that is does. that is the one yes, that is the one thing France don't want. And the one thing that France also know is that if we are chasing, we're we're okay at chasing. So if we're behind and we're chasing the game, we we could probably stick stick to it and, and get it going. Like to be honest. If you take like Lebox kicking aside and stuff, we made we made those chances. You know, the thing is, is we we got the opportunities, yeah. and we're not going to be missing those opportunities again. So us chasing, we we can manufacture those. And the thing is, is the, the French can too because they've got a fifty meter kicker available to them all the time. So, but France don't want to chase. France want to be in a position that that that. Kicking from 48 meters away is is a viable option for them to still go on and win the game. They don't want to be in a position where they need to chase two tries. And that's where everything changes and how we're gonna we're gonna try and manipulate them and sort of mess with their with their vibe. Yeah. Ugh, yeah, there's so many things to get into for this game. But yeah, Sean, I think I mean, there's two other podcasts people can listen to about this game. Uh yeah, well, maybe. I don't know if there's much point in uh, in making predictions, but um, no predictions with the Springboks. I've done, I'm done with that. <laughs> but yeah, and I've, I think we've talked about the the players that we're looking forward to to seeing as well um, in in previous podcasts as well. But yeah, I think the last thing is at least we're not playing um, without the South African flag and the <laughs> the national anthem on Sunday. Well, no, we are playing with it. And I'm What's saying it? at least we're not playing without it. Sorry. Oh, yes. No, sorry. I, mis- I misheard you there. Um, I know. Thank goodness that's kind of been sorted. But then we've got to wait until the semifinal for it to rear its head again, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really been keeping my eye on that. But uh, yeah, Fippe. 
that is that is so South African. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so it is so us. You're like, oh, let's let's do something, and then oh wait, hang on a second. He has a little side party that you completely forgot about that you need to fix. Oh, yeah. man. South is definitely the person that like is is the country or like if a country was a person like they'd be having the best time and then just like did I leave the kettle on? Did I leave the iron on at home? And come back to Crazy. a small little fire. Okay, I think let's end it there. So yeah, a big weekend. Well, actually, Sean, a lot of people are saying that the last question. A lot of people are saying that there's a very good chance of the northern hemisphere like clean sweeping this. Um, you know, and you know, there's decent chances. I think all four of the northern hemisphere teams are favorites in their games for different reasons. Um, which which southern hemisphere team do you think is the least likely to win on Sunday or on this weekend? Yeah. Um, the thing is, <laughs> France, South Africa is a coin flip. So that's that's a weird one. So it's really hard to call that. I have a funny feeling that that um, that it, it's between New Zealand and um, uh, and Fiji <laughs> mm. that are the least likely. Um, it's it's probably it's probably Fiji. Yeah, oh, I hate saying that. Yeah, yeah it's probably Fiji. Right. Ach, man, if Fiji really had their best team, it'd be a different story. Okay, well, lots for, for us to look forward to in this weekend, and you can have this podcast just to go through the preview as well. So thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen. This has been a whole Rugby Bits and Pieces quarterfinal week. We've had previews, well, deep previews. We've previewed now the, 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 the four quarterfinals. We have a lot of content to keep you going till 5 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, so please follow us on our social media channels. Please like the um, follow the podcast as well on your favorite podcast platform. Share it with the world. Let's make sure that everyone can hear this content. And yeah, we will see you after in, in the post-mortem of these games as well. Bye.